0: Armed Forces Day. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. Um, in 1949, there were three different um, celebrations, so to speak, uh, days that were set aside for our Armed Forces. And, um, uh, and so they decided to have it all on one day, and that's this Saturday. And so Armed Forces Day is not maybe as big as Memorial Day. Well, it's not Memorial Day or uh, Veterans Day, but it is a, a, a time to remember those who are, um, uh, you know, preserving freedom, protecting our borders, and and doing what they do. Um, Not to mention the fact that uh, we seem to be in America cutting and chopping and cutting and chopping more and more our military budget. More and more and more and more and more. And this is not any kind of a political statement, but I'll tell you what, a strong United States military will preserve peace around the world. And we understand that the ultimate Prince of Peace is Jesus Christ he's the one that brings peace, all right? And so um, this morning we're going to talk about uh, prayer. I, I just have one more message for you that God's laid in my heart. And so the title of the message is Prayer and War. Prayer and War. Let's pray. Father, uh, thank you for what you've already done. And um, Lord, thank you for visiting us and speaking to us this morning. Uh, Lord, thank you for the, the just the amazing time of worship that we've had, and um, that this is just a continuation of our time together in, in worship and in, in fellowship. Uh, Lord, give us ears to hear what you want to say. Speak, oh Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that we might receive from you. And uh, we just uh, look to you to uh, give us what we need today. And we thank you in advance for what you're going to do, and we thank you for what you've already done. Holy Spirit, we are thankful that you are here. You're the one who leads us into all truth and gives us understanding and challenges and admonishes us. And so have your way, and we ask these things in the only name that is above all names and the only name that allows us to be able to approach and ask these things in the name of jesus and everyone said amen. amen give someone a high five and have a seat if you would please <clears throat> oh boy remind me to get my notes right there hey we're having a missions offering at the no no thank you sir we're having a missions offering at the end of our time together please don't let me forget sir gotcha. thank you appreciate it retired army Yes, sir. all right up front ready to rock ready to serve ready to serve um so uh, there are people that god lays on my heart to to try to share christ with right maybe you have those in your life as well so there's a there's a there's a gentleman one, one particular gentleman that i i try to share christ with from time to time when i see him i don't see him all that often uh he is a minister in a religion that is a cult uh for various reasons i'll spare all the details uh, You may see these men on the street corners, uh, 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 trying to give you a magazine called the Final Call, and trying to uh, uh, take a donation for ministry. Whatever they do, they take donations from people. They give you a magazine and maybe a bean pie or some incense. Okay, and um, so sometimes I'll reroute my route to uh, their particular corners where these gentlemen do their business, uh, their ministry, quote unquote. And so there, there are times when I reroute myself to see if there are any there, if there's anything that I could do or say or, or, or whatever. And so yesterday as I was um, uh, on my way from the office back home, I kind of detoured and went over to where I know they hang out at various times. It's hit or miss. I don't know what kind of schedule they have. And lo and behold, there's a brother there. That's what, you know, brother so-and-so, okay. And, um, and so I kind of t- know that I have a little route where I turn and I kind of, you know, try to make it so that i'll catch a red light and that gives me a little bit of time uh... other times i'll do other things but anyway all of that to say that 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 as i roll my window down this is the conversation we had and he said hey man what's going on i said brother so and so what's up and he said man i was just thinking about you last week how you doing this is right on the street corner right like man, i'm doing good ma'am you know da 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 and i said hey hey you staying in that word he goes yeah i got to i gotta stay in the word and you know light turned green and i gotta go and as I drove off, man, I thought, Lord, how in the world can that guy be reached for you? Because he believes with all of his heart that he's serving you. He believes that, that, that he's doing your work and he's not. He's not doing your work. Lord, his eyes are blinded. He can't see the truth. And I could get out of my car. I could stand on that street corner and we could argue all day long and we would get nowhere and I think, on the one hand, what is the point? And on the other hand, I think, God, you know, you do this sort of thing all the time, God. You've got to do this. Lord, if that man ever comes to Christ, Lord, it is absolutely a sovereign work that only you can do. Because there's nothing I can say to him that's going to, well, you know what? I never thought, you know what? That's a good point. Hmm. I'm going to have, no, nothing. Nothing. And sometimes you just feel like, why bother? Why bother? You know what? There's nothing that can be done for some people. And you know what I think? I think people that are, that are, that are ensnared in religious cults are the hardest to reach. And I'm crying out to God. I'm going, it's like, it's, like a, it's like a bug in a spider web. And the longer you're in that religious system, the harder it is to get out. And you think, man, it's just, it's, You think in your mind, you think it's impossible. Or is it? Or is it? Well, in the Bible, there are many pictures of the church, which you are a part of the church. There are many different um, analogies. Uh, The church is a family. The church is, is a temple. You know, and we say this all the time, this is not the church. You know that, right? You don't go to church, you are the church, right? Uh, it's, a, it's a bride, it's, a, it's an assembly, it's a body, it's a flock. The church is God's field and the church is sheep as well. And the final picture uh, of the church in the Bible illustrates uh, a, an army that's involved in a war. It says, Paul to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 says suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him. And so, church, it turns out we're in this war, in this battle uh, that is global and universal. In Ephesians chapter 6, it gives us a little bit more backdrop to this, uh, this war that we're in. And I know... You might be thinking, no, there is no way that I'm in some sort of cosmic uh, spiritual battle. There's no way. God, news for you. You are. You are. A- and you're a soldier in the army of the Lord. And you know, what? when we're a kid, a child, maybe you sang that song and you marched the march. But you know, you really are. You really are. And you know, let's not forget that there's a war that's going on. It says in Ephesians 6.10, in conclusion, be strong in the Lord. Be empowered through your union with Him. Draw your strength from him, that strength which which his boundless might provides. I'm reading out of the Amplified Bible. Put on God's whole armor, the armor of a heavily armed soldier, which God supplies, that you may be able successfully to stand up against all the strategies and the deceits of the devil. For we are not wrestling with flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against the devil, against the powers, against the master spirits who are the world rulers of this present darkness, against the spirit forces of wickedness in heavenly or in the supernatural sphere. Ephesians chapter 6. There's a war going on, folks. And you know what? You can't always see it with your eyes, but you see the manifestation of it all the time. Okay, verse 10, he says that basically it will take strength to fight this battle. It says, be strong in the Lord. And then it says, be empowered through your union with Him. This fight, this war, this battle is not contingent on your strength. It's not contingent on what your ability is. Well, you know, I'm just going to stand strong and I'm going to fight. Okay, yeah, there's a point to that, but if God doesn't empower you, and if God doesn't strengthen you, you know what? Our, our abilities, our strength to do battle in this fight has got to come from Him. And so we're empowered by the Holy Spirit who indwells in us as a result of our union with Christ. So we must be united to Christ. We must be united to Him that we have the Spirit of God living with us, that we have the ability to fight this fight. Verse 12 in the J.B. Phillips translation puts it this way, For our fight is not against any physical enemy it is against organizations and powers that are spiritual we are up against the unseen power that controls this dark world the spiritual agents from the very headquarters of evil Ah, okay you know when you think about that you know when you see the kind of evil that happens in our world the stuff that takes place I mean, I mean, even if you're... An, how do you explain that if you're an atheist? You don't believe in God. The only thing you believe in are things that are material. You don't believe in things that you can't see with your eyes. How do you explain that? Well, that's just how people are. Is that it? Doesn't it seem like there's something else maybe behind the scenes that's driving these things? I mean, how does one nation... A nation of people get so distorted that they kill six million Jews, seven million. How does that happen? Oh, people are just evil, really. And if you don't believe in God, by the way, how do you define evil anyway? I mean, what? Just is it? How do you, you just come up with your own definition of what's evil? Ah, Christians. We all, all of us, are in this battle. And it says, we wrestle not. Some believe we don't wrestle at all. Not so. And you know, one translation uses that word wrestling. Any, any like, high school wrestlers here? Any at any all? None, not one. Okay. Yeah. You ever wrestle when you're, you know, you know any, anyone ever wrestle? Ever? Yeah, I know, of course. Right? But, you know, like, no? Okay. All right. Put that on the men's retreat, man. We're going to have a wrestling matches, all right? Woo, bring the mats. There's you know, some mats around here somewhere. Maybe we'll bring these. I don't know. Right? Uh, you know, the thing about, like, when I was in high school, I remember the wrestlers were like a whole different breed. I mean, because they were they they go into a room and, and they turn the heat up, like, you know, pff, 100 degrees or whatever, and then they work out. And I used to walk in there and go, what are you doing? Oh, we're working out in heat. I go, do you, well, do you... Do you do your competition in heat? You know why are you? No, no. It's just they were just. And wrestling is is intense, right? Like wrestling is not like in a in a ring where you can you know you know float like a butterfly and sting like a bee. No, it's it's intimate. It's it's contact. It's it's everything that you have. And, And see, when Paul said this, everyone knew what he was talking about because in the Greek games, wrestling was serious business. Yeah, it was no joke, because guess what? If you lost, they gouged your eyes out. So let's just say there was a lot at stake, and this was serious. And so they, they, they understood that. When he said, we wrestle not, they're like, w- against a, a, a physical enemy. They're, well, then who are we wrestling? You know, they got it. Like, they're like, whoa. Okay, this is, this is serious. Not physical beings, but spiritual beings. Spiritual beings that push an agenda, a worldview. A mindset. It's an organized kingdom. You know, there's authority in Satan's kingdom. It's headquarters in the heavenly realms above us. You, you could use that. And act if you're on earth. Jesus was speaking about these two different kingdoms and the authority that he had in, in the kingdom of God. And in Matthew 12, 27, he says, And if I am empowered by Satan, what about your exorcist? They cast out demons too. So, they will condemn you for what you have said because they didn't believe. Yeah, you know, they said that Jesus was casting out demons by the power of Satan. And he goes, Really? And he says, But if I'm casting out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. You have two kingdoms. And so, the battleground there are many different fronts for the battleground, but one is right here the mine. This is the battlefield. This is the battlefield right here. It's not where it starts, but this is where the fight rages on. Let me explain. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5 says this for though we walk or live in the flesh and physical realm, we are not carrying on our warfare according to the flesh and using mere human weapons. For the weapons of our warfare are not physical, weapons of flesh and blood, but they are mighty before God for the overthrow and destruction of strongholds. Ooh, that's a key word. Inasmuch as we refute arguments, theories and reasonings and every proud and lofty thing or thought that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. And we lead every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ the Messiah, the Anointed One. Okay, ah, so do you see? It's, it's these thoughts. It's, it's, it's the wrestling for the mind. It's, it's the, it's the uh, uh, worldviews. Uh, so the weapons we must fight with uh, co- must correspond to the realm that we're fighting in. See, if we try to fight this, this spiritual battle with physical weapons, we will lose every time this this can only be first recognized by the spirit of God because if you don't believe you have an enemy that's out to do these things then you've already lost okay and and then secondly is that you can't fight these this battle with just physical uh weapons but but spiritual weapons spiritual beings spiritual weapons and these are the things that they, are, that they perpetrate imaginations, reasonings, speculations, arguments, knowledge, and thought. That's the mind. Colossians 2.8 says, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception. And I love the Amplified Bible. It says, pseudo-intellectual babble. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of that out there. There's a lot of pseudo-intellectual babble on the internet. you don't know if you're aware of that. According to the tradition and musings of mere man, following the elementary principles of this world, rather than following the truth. The teachings of Christ. Okay, so the realm of the mind. Satan is waging an all-out war to take captive the minds of people. Satan is waging an all-out war. War to take captive your mind with imaginations, reasonings, speculations, arguments, knowledge, thoughts, worldviews, attitudes, error. Because God's word says this, but you believe that. Because that's what happened to you, this is the way you grew up. See, that's, that's, that's a thought. That's a stronghold. That's, that's not from God. And, and so even as Christians, we have to constantly examine our thoughts and say, wait a second, is that thought from God or from somewhere else? Is that something that is harming me in my mind or is that something that's good? You know what? Am I repeating these words over and over and over and building up a fortress in my mind? that God is continually trying to tear down, but I won't let him because it's just, I don't know. This is just what I think. Wait a second. What does it say? What does the truth of the word say? He's building fortresses and mines. Our job, should we choose to accept it, is to break down those strongholds using spiritual weapons. In our own life, and in the lives of others. Soldier, that's your marching orders. Go tear down strongholds. May I just add, if you try to do it in your own strength, in your own thoughts, and your own philosophy, you will just make the stronghold stronger. set free to the obedience of Christ, to lead every thought and purpose away captive to the obedience of Christ. Derek Prince, in his book on spiritual warfare, calls this a staggering assignment. Wow. And and maybe that's just for the intercessors and those people who really, really, really know how to pray. No. That's for all of us. It's for all of us, and so uh, Derek Prince also says this. Here are the things that happen in minds. Here's here's three things, and you know what, guys? We could do eight weeks on this. So you're just I'm just trying to give you just just something to, to get in, just something to kind of stir your pot. That's all. Okay. Here's what he says. Here's what Satan does, and he uses these words: prejudice. Everybody say prejudice. Preconception, and pride. He's a good teacher, so they all start with P's. (laughs) Prejudice, preconception, and prize. Prejudice. You know what prejudice prejudice is. It's being down on what you're not up on. That's what someone said. Prejudice is being down on what you're not up on. Prejudice is when you tell somebody something and they say, Hey man, don't, don't confuse me with the facts. My mind is already made up. I see, when someone's mind is already made up because of a stronghold, because of a prejudice or preconception, no amount of facts will ever change that. Have you ever tried to change someone's mind with the facts? How did it go for you? No, maybe, it it might, it might, but for the most part, you walk away going, Okay, man, I just wasted 30 minutes of air, precious air, talking about what, trying to change, man, what am I, what am I thinking, right? Okay, only spiritual weapons can break down that kind of thinking, only spiritual weapons can break down that kind of thinking. In the Revolutionary War, the British, bright colored outfits, marching in ranks, standing up. To the drum, no surprise, no. They're, here they come, you know, like woo, uh, yeah. And what, what did the what did the soldiers do for us? They're like, you know what, man, this is not working. We're gonna hide behind rocks, hide behind trees. Uh, we we're gonna we we're gonna use the element of surprise. We're not gonna use a drum to let them know we're coming. Okay, but here's the thing: there was a there was a pre preconception. a a, a way of thinking that it was unthinkable to fight a war any other way. That's how you do it. You dress brightly and you roll the drum and there you go. And thousands of their soldiers died just because of that. But the thought of doing it any other way? No. It's how you fight. That was a prejudice. That was a preconception. It was a stronghold. Now... So here's like how do you engage people? How 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 do you how, how do you do this? Because if there's if there's no way to t- take that castle down in their minds, how do you do it? You ready for the answer? Write this down. It's pretty profound. You ready? Pray. We just finished a five to six week, depending, series on the war room. And we learned a lot about prayer. I would venture to guess that when you learn a lot about prayer and you begin to pray, you begin to experience a lot of warfare of various shades. Because the enemy does not want you praying. Probably, if not, maybe, the most effective thing we can do. Right? So maybe you've experienced that. So our prayers against the enemy's tactics, along with our obedience to Christ, can create opportunities for people to hear and understand the truth of the gospel. All right. Pray. I'm talking specifically now about how to pray for someone that's got a stronghold in their mind, a preconception or prejudice or pride. Okay, Paul says in 2 Timothy 2, 25 and 26, he says, Perhaps God may grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. We pray. Colossians 2, verse 4, uh, four verse uh, 2 through 4 says this, Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us, too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysteries, um, mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I am here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. What's he praying for? praying for open doors. He, even in his situation, he's saying, "You know, pray that doors of opportunity would open up. Pray for that." Wait a minute, Paul the apostle, you're like the greatest evangelist. You're like the, probably the first. Well, Philip probably was, but you're right up there with the first missionary of the entire New Testament. He goes, "Yeah, pray. I need your prayers." I think any missionary would say to you, "You know what?" We need finances. You know what we need more than anything else? Your prayers. Because if I know that I have your prayers, then I know the finances and everything else that I'm dealing with will be handled. Pray. And so, how do you pray for someone who doesn't have faith in Christ? Someone that you love, someone that you know has this way of thinking and you've tried everything to change their way of thinking and they're not getting it. And you're like, how can you not say this? All right? Well, that's because your eyes have been opened. That's because you've dealt with some prejudices and some preconceptions and some pride and you have the Holy Spirit living within you. And of course, it's very easy for you to see, but you must remember a time when you didn't see it. You must remember a time when you were blind, a time when you didn't understand the truth, when spiritual things made no sense to you. Someone said, John 3, 16, you thought about someone kicking a field goal at a football game. That was it big sign you know the guy with the anyway so how do you pray pray for God to prepare their heart to receive the seed of the word that's all God I'm praying for their heart Jesus gave a story about the sower and the field and he said as the sower went and sowed seed he's just sowing seed and guess what some of it falls on the sidewalk and the birds of the air come and they eat it up right some of it falls on rocky soil it sprouts up quickly but it has no root some of it gets choked out and some of it actually produces something 30, 60 and 100 fold and the seed is the word of God and the soil is the condition of the heart you could even say the mind and so pray that God would prepare their heart to receive the word God open their hearts Open their minds to receive it any way you choose to deliver it. Pray for a heart to be open. Secondly, pray against the enemy, the adversary, Satan and his minions, that he would not continue to blind their minds. Because the minds or the eyes of the unbelievers are blinded to the glorious light of the God. They can't see it. Because the enemy has blinded them with philosophy, with worldviews, with strongholds, with ways of thinking, with pride and prejudice and preconception, or better yet, one of his his best weapons with religious systems. There are multitudes and multitudes trapped in religious systems that believe they got a shot with God or they're okay with God, and they don't. So pray. Pray against the enemy, the adversary, that they would not continue to blind their minds. Okay. Thirdly, pray for opportunities and boldness for ourselves and others to share the gospel with them. Pray for opportunities. Yeah. Hey, Lord, today I'm available if you are. (laughs) If there's a way that I could share Christ with someone... I'm not going to go evangelizing, but if there's an opportunity to evangelize, I'd be open to it. And you don't have to be, you know, a certain way. You don't have to be some, uh, 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 people I'm a total people person. Man, I love to talk, engage strangers. You don't have to be that way. Anyway, you know, you just have to pray and be willing and open your mouth when the opportunity arises. The Bible says make the most of every opportunity. I think opportunities arise all day long. Can I give you an illustration? I shared this on Wednesday night. We had some work done in our car and they have a shuttle service. Yeah, and I'll amen for the shuttle service. You know, they'll drop you off. And then I found out they'll pick you up too. And I'm like, hey, how cool is that? And so I was like, all right, yeah, man, be back. You know, I get a call. And they, they pick me up at the office and they take me all the way down Boulder Highway to uh, uh, Chapman Dodge, wherever the heck it was, right? And I'm like, sweet. And so, uh, you know, it's just me and the guy, young guy, long mosaic, you know, 20, 20 years old. And I'm like, hey, man, uh, you know, in the course of the conversation, he's going the long way. I'm cool with that. I know how much time I got. And I'm just throwing it out there. I'm not trying to be pushy. I'm not trying to say, you know, man, you know, if you don't believe in Christ, you're going to hell for all eternity. No, 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 no. I'm just like, so, man, let me ask you this. You know, I, I work at a church, and we're interested in how to reach young people and get young people connected to God. Do you go to church? He goes, well, I used to. And he goes, but you know what, man? I don't talk politics and I don't talk religion I said you know what I get it man I get it and from Rancho and about uh, Smoke Ranch all the way till he dropped me off at Boulder Highway we talked religion (laughs) I just threw it out there see what you get open door maybe maybe not here's the question I asked him I said so what do you believe is true like, what makes something right or what makes something wrong? Well, he didn't really have a real good answer for that. I said, we will give you an example. Killing, a murder, is that wrong? Oh, yeah, that's wrong. Well, why do you believe that? Well, because it is. But why do you believe that? Because in some cultures, murder is perfectly fine. Let me give you an example. Nazi Germany. My grandfather was a, was a, 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 a soldier in the Nazi army. Did he choose to do that? Did he want to do that? Did he think it was wrong? I have no idea. I never had that conversation with him. Or did he agree with it? Did he really think that the Germans would be the were the supreme right? I don't know what he thought because I wasn't smart enough to sit down with him and ask him because I was only twenty five and I was a knucklehead <laughs> right? <laughs> and who cares anyway, at that point in my life? And so I said, you know so so you know you agree that what they did is wrong, right? Oh, absolutely. Why do you believe that? Well, because that's wrong, and you know what in the course of a you know you know I, in the course of a real short conversation, he had to admit that the basis for why he believed what he believed came right out of the Bible. That's the start. That's the start. And that was it. Thanked him. A, thanks for the ride. Boom. Appreciate it, man. Hopefully I don't see you again in this thing because I don't want to be go traipsing back and forth. To, but anyway, you know what I'm saying? His mind is blinded. Oh, he, I didn't say he wasn't intelligent. I'm just saying that he can't see the gospel. He can't see it. Because Satan has him blinded by a philosophy, by a worldview, by a preconception, a prejudice. Maybe pride. And only God can remove that. Maybe that conversation will get him to think. Maybe not. Pray for opportunities and boldness for ourselves and others to share the gospel with Christ. Pray for that. So pray for God to prepare the heart, to receive the word. Pray against the enemy. Pray for opportunities. And pray for conviction to stir their hearts. Do you know how many people have come to Christ because someone said something to them or God showed them something they couldn't sleep at night? And they were tossing and turning and going, ah. You know there's a ministry called Jews for Jesus? You know, this rabbi in Switzerland. You know, you know what happened to him? There was a, there was a scripture in Isaiah 53 talking about the, the Messiah, the, 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 the anointed one who would come, talking about his suffering and what he would go through and then he would die and then it says that he would, he would be allotted a, a portion with the living. That man, No, somebody, he dies, then he comes to life again and, and, and he was wrestling with this, wrestling with this and he thought, man, how can this be the nation of Israel? How can this be anything but the Messiah? But how does the Messiah die and then how does he live again and he, and he can't get it? And finally he has this revelation, it's Jesus. How did that happen? His eyes were open. Was someone praying for him? I don't know. It was a sovereign work of the Holy Spirit. And he starts a ministry called Jews for Jesus worldwide. Reaching Jewish people with the gospel of Jesus Christ in love. Okay? But conviction. Conviction. That's when your heart starts to stir within you. The man, my life's not right. Man, there's got to be something more than this. Man, you know what? Gosh, I haven't been to church in forever. Maybe I... You know what? I tell you, it was the conviction of the Holy Spirit that drew me to church. I had no desire to go to church. That was the last thing on my list was going to church. And it wasn't because I was a God-hater. I didn't have room for that in my life. And... There was enough of something of God in me to know that if I went to church, I might hear something that might change my life and I don't want to change. Pride. How did I end up back in church that second time? I still don't know. (laughs) The first time my friend invited me, I left three quarters through. The second time, I don't know how I ended back at that church. Oh, I know how I ended back there. I drove across town and went to the church. Why I did, I could not tell you. Oh, I know why now. I know why. You get it? Here's the second thing, third thing, whatever, if you're keeping. Be ready. Be ready. Ephesians 6.19 says, And pray for me too. ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly excl- explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike, earth-shattering truth. By the way, I am in chains now, still preaching this message of God's amb- as God's ambassadors. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for Him as I should. And if Paul the Apostle prayed for boldness, are you kidding me? Paul the Apostle prayed for boldness. This guy was nuclear for Jesus. He was nuclear. he was cosmic for Christ and he wants boldness dude you have okay you know where to go with that right pray ask for boldness Uh, then look for opportunities look for opportunities look for opportunities Matthew 5 16 that's for you let your light shine among men that they will see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. That's it. Okay? Jesus said the reason that he came to earth was to seek and save the lost as his ambassadors, whom he has left behind for a very Short season. It's been two thousand years, but uh, we should have the same directive. And so, let me challenge you this morning, church. Start by praying. You know those people that you weep over. You know those people—some which are close to you, some which aren't so close to you. You know how those those, those ones that aggravate you—to all get out. Those ones that maybe confound you with their wisdom and their philosophy and their worldviews and you go, I don't know how to answer those questions. Okay, are you praying for that person? Because I think we can do much, much more for someone who doesn't know Christ on our knees than we can ever do for them with our mouths. Let me give you this last scripture and then give you one more thing as before we take our missions offering. The basis of our victory. The basis of our victory. We have to understand this. Not the victory to come, but the basis of our victory. Okay, this is, this is D-Day. You understand that D-Day wasn't the end of the war, but it was the beginning of the end. When D-Day happened, it wasn't too much longer that there was V-E day victory in Europe, as the Allies rode through Paris, but D-Day, wasn't the day to celebrate then victory in europe day was the day to set the war was over you you get that so this is this is that day the basis of our victory it says in colossians god made you alive together with christ having freely give forgiven us all our sins verse 14 having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of legal demands which were enforced against us and which were hostile towards us. That's the law. The law of God, the Ten Commandments, which we've all violated, is a certificate of debt that you and I can't pay uh, um, that, is, that is against us and which were hostile to us. And this certificate He has set aside and completely removed by nailing it to the cross. When, we had, when He had disarmed, this is cool, Christ had disarmed the rulers and authorities those supernatural forces of evil operating against us. What did he do to them? He disarmed them. Okay? Those supernatural forces of evil operating against us, he made a public example of them, exhibiting them as captives in his triumphal procession. Isn't that funny? You know what happened at the cross? He locked down Satan and all the demons... And then in his triumphal procession, they're all prisoners to him. That's the basis of our victory. We're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. That victory has already been won. Just like D-Day. Now we got to go get the land. And there's still a lot of work to be done. That's why Christ hasn't returned yet. He's waiting on us (laughs) if i could use that i know sovereignty of god and see i know understand all that but i could say he's patiently waiting on us we've got work to do so um, let me let me show you the last thing that god showed me about this guy on the street corner because i mean i'm i'm in my car ranting and raving and i'm like i'm like I'm crying out, Lord, Lord, you reach that guy? If a guy will go on the street corner in a suit in 100 degrees and sell magazines and incense and bean pie for for a lie, what would he do for the truth? What would he do for the truth? (laughs) Could you imagine? God knows. And so as I'm ran, I got, I got nothing. I got no way. I, Lord, I don't know how to do this. I, I don't know. The Lord showed me something. Here's what he said. So you remember what that guy said to you? That guy said he'd been thinking about you. And here's how you reach him with the gospel. You ready? You ready for this? What's up, man? You do you have to stand. You can sit. Yeah, that's good. yeah, yeah. That's, that's how you reach him with the gospel. See this? That's how you reach. Him. Right there. Right
1: there. <laughs>
0: that's how you reach him. Right there. Pretty profound theology, huh? Pretty profound uh, evangelism strategy. What's up, man? You all right? Oh, you stay safe on the street now, all right? You be good. you do your best. All right, man. We're praying for you, man. That's all I got. <laughs> that's it. That's it. And I pray. And I believe that God will do the rest, because that's what God does. Can I have the uh, ushers come forward? We'll take our missions offering. why do we take a missions offering why bother Um, guys um, hold on the bag just for a second Why, why why do we take a missions offering well you know what this is one of the ways that we like to keep missionaries in front of your minds if you give to a missionary regularly every time you write that check deposit into their account or whatever it is you do it makes you think of them they need our finances but they need our prayer as well and so this is one of the reasons that we do that this is over and above the tithe it's an offering that goes to support different works in different nations you know who our missionaries are and um, I would encourage you to you can go to our website livinggrace.net and find out more about them Maybe email them and find out when their birthday is. Maybe find out when their anniversary is if they're married. Maybe find out if their kids have anything that they really, really want, but they haven't—they haven't been able to get it for them. I don't know, but don't forget them. <clears throat> this is just one small way that we participate in what they do. Paul the apostle speaks about that in the book of Philippians. I believe it's chapter two. It's uh, chapter one where he talks about their participation in the gospel with him. Because they gave to support the work. And so, um, give as the Lord leads. We will take it and we will send it out to them. There's a work in northern Turkey to reach refugees that are pouring in by the thousands. Uh, Some of them are disgruntled Muslims, (laughs) some of them are Christians. Uh, There's a work in Colorado Springs, Joshua and Stacy are doing to reach. A generation of world changers in America. There's a work in Beijing with Stacey Hayes that's going on. And so give as the Lord leads you. Guys, go ahead and pass the bags. And uh, I have a little video clip I want to show you. And um, uh, you guys got that right. I think it was, yeah. At at any point, you know, if you want to stay for the whole video, you can. Uh, If you want to, um, you know, leave early, that's fine. But this is a song by Israel Houghton, and it talks about our... Victory. we
1: overcome come our- back.